All right. And uh, we're live now on Facebook for you people that still do that. And uh, I was just talking about Brian Williams making his Humble and Fred podcast debut. I, you know, neither of us can remember exactly, but I had this feeling he's been on our show before. Somewhere along oh, the way. You could be correct, sir. You are correct. Brian Williams. Yeah. So at around 8.05, I have to call Brian and then give him the number to call our Zoom line. It will not be a video uh, call. It uh, will be a phone line. That's right. Uh, uh, you know, hey, you get someone of Brian Williams' stature on the show, you do whatever they want you to do. Yeah, he's covered a lot of Olympics. We can talk some Olympics with him. Uh, China coming up. China. China. Let's see what he thinks about that. All the Grey Cups he's covered back when the Grey Cup mattered, my friend. There was a time. And I tell you, I remember Brian right out of the gate at Chum. That's a question I'd like to ask him. When he became a sportscaster at 1050 Chum, did he still have aspirations of becoming like a national figure in sports broadcasting? Because to me, eh, that would have been the pinnacle for me, just to be a sportscaster on 1050 Chum when I was like 15, 16. Yeah. When I first started, I wanted to do that. To me, that would have been the pinnacle. But Isn't that I funny? like him. That's just a stepping stone. You know, I got to work at my sort of childhood radio station you know i worked for about four weeks in a station in weyburn but or estevan i can't remember i guess it was estevan but i ended up my first part of my career working at the station that i grew up listening to and Mm -hmm. thinking it was cool and then after that i just sort of worked at a bunch of other you know like i had no idea what chum fm or chum was Mm -hmm. out west i never really hadn't heard of it but would that have been if you could have gone in a different direction would that have been it for you working at chum well, to me, I just, as a kid listening to 1050 Chum in the morning with Jane Nelson and then a couple other morning show hosts, and there was Dave Wright, Chum Sports, Brian Williams, Chum Sports, then Brian Henderson, Chum Sports. It's, to me, that was like, I just want to be, I want to be that guy. Mm-hmm. So I guess once you got there, you would have had different thoughts. The irony is, you know, I get into the business on air in 1979, in 1981, I was offered a job at Chum and turned it down. <laughs> that was the, I could have been just the weekend fill-in guy, but the heir apparent to being the guy I always wanted to be and then turned the job down. Could have been Roger, Fred, and Marilyn all those years. Well, the problem was Rick Hodge was there and Brian Henderson, and I looked at it and I thought, well, where's the opportunity there other than working weekends? And I and I phoned Bob McCowan and I said, Bob, what do you think I should do? And he said, stay where you are, stay on the air every day doing what you're doing. Yeah, I know that good. story. I, it's funny. It's I had, good advice. I'd forgotten that Hodge was there that long. By the way, this, was, this wasn't what I wanted to talk about off the beginning, but it's going to tie in in a second. I promise okay. everyone. But no, because right. today I, I read it. I got up early today, so I've been in here for a long time, and I've been scrolling through social media, and I found out that it's National Disc Jockey Day. Oh. Yeah. So, you know, for two guys that have been broadcasting, I'm not sure if you if you if it counts because you're if you have to be a disc jockey and no, then i was I did just gonna math. say that that that's not me really i was never ever well a disc it, jockey. yeah it's not ra- national radio day i guess mm-hmm. um but i started thinking you know this is 2022 and this summer july mm-hmm. i will have been a disc jockey although i'm not see there it went got brighter again just now 
The light I don't on your panel just got brighter. Uh, anyway, I've been a disc jockey, a radio disc DJ. This summer for 45, will be 45 years that I've been doing this. I find that remarkable. Not that anyone's oh, yeah. done it for, that I've done it for 45 years. And I still sort of feel, you know, some days just like, the, you know, when I started, I just like it. I enjoy talking into a microphone and I, I can't imagine not doing it. Do disc jockeys exist anymore? Because any terrestrial music radio I listen to now, they rarely acknowledge the songs. They never rarely say this, this, uh, this is, that was. Like they don't backsell on intro songs anymore? No, it's really it's interesting. You, you know, it's funny. I listen to mostly satellite radio. And the DJs on those music stations, they don't, they, they'll sort of introduce the song. Uh-huh. But not like talking up to the vocals like we did back in the 70s and 80s. Like sometimes I listen to The Edge, a song will end, they'll go right into a commercial. And then the jocks will come back. And I don't know if it's because digital, digitally, most of what, like if you're, I don't know, if you're listening on your phone or how you're listening, it digitally, or in your car, it tells you what the song was. Yes. You know, I, I think I don't that's know why. If that, yeah, maybe. I don't know. No, I think that's exactly why. They, it's not as necessary because most people have an, a, some kind of display. Because I remember when that first came and that was like a big deal when the song mm-hmm. was on your... You could see it. But now what I think is interesting is you can see that sometimes they'll be talking and they haven't started the next song, but the next song yes. title is there already. Yes. But I want to talk a little bit about podcasting because, you, know, you know, we've been doing this for a long time, but there's in the last couple of years has really just been the explosion of... You know, big names like when we started, it was Adam Carolla. Then it was Mark Marin. Then later, Joe Rogan. But, you know, when we started, really the biggest podcaster in the world was Adam Carolla. And now, of course, it's Smartless and all these other sort of non-broadcasters is my point. And I listened to a new one last night. And I was kind of excited because I thought, oh, I, I had heard about it. It's called Fly on the Wall, and it's Dana Carvey and, and, and David Spade, who I really like. I like both of them. And then I saw the guest lineup. I'm like, wow, Tina Fey, Rob Lowe, Chris Rock. And then I listened to it last night, almost the entire one. It's like 57 minutes. And I, I couldn't wait to tell you about this because when you listen to it, even as famous as these people are, and I don't care what this sounds like, I know we're not as famous as them, but I'll tell you what we are. We're better at doing this than they are. We're, it's not even close. And I kept listening, thinking, wow, do, do they not have a producer? It's just talking over each other, not going in any direction. And what I'll say before, before I want your reaction is this. And, and, and I thought of what you say all the time. If it wasn't those two people and Tina Fey, it would be unlistenable. There, yeah, it, there were some cool moments talking about the people they knew at Saturday Night Live and, and the head writer and all this stuff. The, the content was, was interesting at times, but the mm-hmm. presentation was so weirdly amateurish that if it wasn't David Spade from the movies and Dana Carvey from whatever, you'd be like, how did they get this on the air? Mm-hmm. Another frustrating aspect of that is those are the people... Those are really the only people making big dough out of oh, podcasts. Yeah. Like the big, big money in podcasting is going to the people that already had big, big money. And profiles. 
I get it from an course, economic state. Yeah, and I, yeah, and they, you know, and that's that's part of the deal. I Absolutely. But isn't that interesting? And it doesn't really matter. The product doesn't matter. It's who's delivering it. Yeah. Well, yeah. I'm, I'm going to play it. This is actually from, you know, this thing that podcasts do now is they have this little sort of two minute thing where they, you know, introducing fly on the wall. And just have a listen to this. From our uh, past work, I was in Joseph Dirt. A little thing called Wayne's World. I was in Tomboy. Uh-oh, what uh, were you in? But what you might not know. Really? Dana and I got our pretty big break on Saturday Night Live. Live from New York, it's These Two Idiots. Right there, we met some of our uh, best friends. We met some movie this is actually stars. Pretty good. I said, and uh, I... we had a great time. And now we want to talk about it with other people that have uh, our stories about the hey, experience of your life. So we want to go deep stories that have only been told on other shows that you yeah. probably haven't heard. Right? It's called Fly on the Wall. Yeah, you could be like a fly on the wall listening to uh, our stories about the show and about what they liked when they were there. <laughs> fly on the Wall with Dana Carvey and David Spade. <laughs> Oh, hey, look, Joe Biden even likes it. Come on now, folks, here's a deal. Anyway, this is just them doing the promo, but I want to, if you're listening to this, go check it out. The Tina Fey episode is what I listened to last night, and it was just like listening to kids in college. We'll be blabbing with the likes Mm -hmm. of people you've heard of. Chris Rock, Tina Fey, Tom Hanks, Martin Short, Rob Lowe, Kevin You know, Stern always talked about, you know, and he, I don't hear him do this as much, but a few years ago, he was really sort of down and negative about the whole world of podcasting because as he said you know mm-hmm. in order to be a broadcaster you have to yes you have to put your time in you have to be able to attract mm-hmm. an audience obviously they they attract an audience because they're famous but the way they deliver the content wouldn't attract an audience mm-hmm. and you know what's going on here right guys like that they look at the smart list guys and go oh yeah 20 million each over the next three years what <laughs> joe rogan what they're getting that conan o'brien just did what deal like yeah well we can if they can do that we can do that (laughs) well at the end of this promo they talk about presented by some company i've never heard heard of but you just i i I thought the exact same thing they heard about all that sweet easy podcast dough (laughs) you know because think about how much easier this is than doing a movie or a television show you just get together once a week if you're famous a bunch of people will listen Mm-hmm. And then you'll get paid to do it. And like yeah. real money. Yeah. You are correct, sir. You are correct, sir. Well, let's start this show. You know, because we got real money to be made uh, from our fine, uh, you know, sponsors and, and friends that listen. Here we go. The following episode of Humble and Fred is brought to you by Gig Sky, the Retirement Sherpa, the Chambers Plan, Health Gauge, Canna Cabana, GoDaddy, and our newest sponsor, Manscaped. If clean balls are important to you, and I know they are, get Manscaped for a cleaner ball every time. And now, here are two men whose nut game is on point. It's Humble and Fred. I Another thing I find interesting, uh, you hear this on uh, Perbiglia's podcast, their podcast last night, is when they break to do the commercials. Again, you know, it sounds like people that haven't been doing that very long. You know, very new at it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? On different levels. I mean, uh, we've talked about it many times, uh, our advantage of... 
starting a podcast was at least people could look and see Humble and Fred and go, oh, I've heard of them before. Even if they weren't listeners, go, I've heard of that. I've heard of them before. Or Humble and Fred, I used to listen to them all the time. Um, these megastars, I mean, the advantage they have that way. Yeah, for sure. Like... And you know what it's like with them. No matter what comes out of their mouths at the beginning, people are going, they don't care. It's just them. You know, if you love Dana Carvey and uh, who is it? David Spade. And David Spade. If you love those guys, it's like right out of the gate. Oh, this is great, man. Oh, look it. Um, well, and I like those guys, and, I, and that wasn't a great example. I should have got you a few seconds from the actual podcast because there was a point last night when I was listening to it in bed, and I was thinking, if I were a program manager... Much like yourself, or a program director, as we used to call them. I don't know. Yeah. I, I, I don't know what I'd say to them. At one point, all three of them were talking at the same time, and I realized, well, part of it is kind of they're doing the show like we are. They're in different locations, and you know, Spade's mic sounded different than Carvey's, and Tina could, you know, she wasn't as prominent, but. Like, it was chaos, but it was chaos with three famous people talking about other famous people. So you go, oh, that's cool. Yeah, and that that concept might wear a little thin, too, after a while. Because they call in all their buddies, right? And that's great. It may take a long time, but that seems to be... That community invites other members of that community to come in and talk and you know that's cool yeah much like we did at the beginning on we invited a bunch of ex you know broadcasters and Mm -hmm. ex-broadcasters because we thought it was a good way to for us to get our name out there and tell people we're doing this thing and and by the way we are today yeah like today well that being said Mm -hmm. you know i'll go back and listen to the chris rock episode yeah because I'm curious because I know Rock and, and David Spader buddies and they're comedians mm-hmm. and they'll talk about stand up and and all kinds of stuff. Um, anyway, speaking well, he, of well, he, even Smartless, it uh, you know when I first uh, found out about it or whatever you told me. However, I found out about me. it. <laughs> okay, however, I found out about it. It was they had done several several episodes, and I scrolled back as soon as I saw Paul McCartney. Well, of course, I listened to it. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> hey, we might get to that uh, Bare Naked Ladies Paul McCartney thing today. We're going to get to a bunch of stuff if we can. It's a Thursday show. They tend to be a little longer. So hang around with us as you can. Um, as I mentioned, of course, a lot of people are supporting this program, kind of like this guy. The Chambers of Commerce Group Insurance Plan, Canada's number one group benefits plan for small business. Get a free quote today. Uh, chamberplan.ca is where to go. Uh, they've been around for 40 years. It's a great system. All these small companies get together. Create the image of a big company. And of course, that way, they can purchase insurance at a good rate that everyone can afford. It's a fantastic concept, and it works for anybody. It doesn't matter how big your company is. Okay? So go there today chamberplan.ca and get a free quote all sorts of products available depending on what level you buy into for example the teledoc system brilliant especially during covid got a sniffle you know you got a throat thing going on call the teledoc and uh, you'll get a read on what you should do what the next move should be chamberplan.ca if you've got a sniffle or a sore throat mm-hmm. yeah you've got covid okay just so you know <laughs> yes, but Teletalk, do you confirm? <laughs> yeah, okay. Uh, Doer, the world's most comfortable... Pe- <laughs> Let me try that again. 
Doer, the world's most comfortable pants for men and women, presents the world's most comfortable contest. All you have to do is use the phrase love pants in the comments on Facebook. And we put it up there right now. Uh, the contest officially starts on Monday, but I'm going to give you the heads up. Use the phrase love pants in the comments on our Facebook page. and You'll automatically be entered to win a weekly prize of a pair of pants. And you'll be eligible for the grand, uh, grand prize of pants and lots of other stuff. You can enter as many times as you want, and you can also use the promo code LOVEPANTS at doer.ca for 15% off a checkout, okay? They're amazingly comfortable. They're they're, uh, responsibly made of natural fibers, and now for Valentine's Day, this is what's happening. I also want to mention, for you people on the West Coast, uh, Doer's offering 20% off... Uh, for their Vancouver Kitsilano store grand opening, which starts on the 21st through the 23rd. The first 25 people in line in kits, that's what cool people call it, uh, first 25 people in line on the 22nd will receive free pants. Love pants and free pants from doer.ca. Are you ready for uh, this morning's uh, piss report? Absolutely. <laughs> Jesus. Oh, man. You know, I'm going to be turning 62 soon. It's time to grow up. But in the meantime... The Piss Report. The Piss Report. The Piss Report. There you go. So think about it. We're two grownish men who asked another grown man, hey, could you record yourself saying... The Piss Report. A bunch of times. <laughs> what, do you, what did you do for a living, Daddy? Well, this is what I do. The Piss Report. Uh, well, the piss report today, very simply, um, frequent and urgent with a slightly stingy pee hole. Thank you. The piss report. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I can tell you. Still frequent and urgent, slightly stingy pee hole. Are you on medication? Did we establish that? Did he not give you something? Well, he didn't, yeah, but I'm going to call today because, like I said... The other day, it, it's gotten better, but it's still not. Something's not right, well, and, and I, I need some. And I think by now, if it hasn't gone away with me flushing out my system, I should get some antibiotics. Well, yeah, I would say the stingy thing concerns me somewhat at this point. It's a little bit stingy. You know. It's not stingy all the time, but it can be stingy, and it is, you know, disturbing my sleep now because I've been. Yeah. So good. I missed once a night guy, not in the middle of the night, usually toward the end. And now, mm-hmm. you know, I go quite a bit more, it seems, for some reason, I can't figure out why, toward the end of the day. Well, stingy is a concern, um, even if it's not every day. I have no stingy. I haven't had stingy in years. In fact, I can't remember when I had stingy. <laughs> if you have stingy, that, that's antibiotic, sir. All right. So you don't have any stingy, not even when you finger your pee hole? <laughs> Super. Sorry. Um, oh yeah, like like that's the thing that's taking it in the in the wrong direction. The piss report. That, how, do you, how do you how do you finger your? Pee I don't hole? know. I've heard about it. People finger their own pee holes. All right. Um, I saw this story. Thought of you. Uh, his name is Christopher Key. He uh, he. Uh, he created the uh, the website Vaccine Police. This is an anti-vax website. And the other day he was on there, um, claimed to have an antidote for uh, 
the COVID, you know, and it turns out to be drinking your own urine. And he actually was on there. And he didn't, he didn't say exactly where he got this information, but he had it on good authority that this works. You know, forget the vaccine. As he put it, God gave us all we really need. This is what the guy said. God gave us all we really need. In other words, drink your own urine and you can fight off COVID. And I thought of you because <laughs> I thought, Howie's got lots of medicine for that. Definitely. And this, this, in the big stream you have, you could just sit there and direct it right into your mouth. <laughs> I could actually <laughs> lay on my back and just cascade like you know a fountain. You know, mm. it, first of all, that's hilarious. Uh, secondly, <laughs> the number of anti-vax people that would—it's it, really—I wish we could keep a running tab of all the mm. things these people would rather put in their bodies than the yes. actual vaccine. We had that story. Sometimes week about another Glenn. Maybe it was yesterday. Glenn Beck. Glenn Beck. Yeah, talking about all oh, my doctors are really throwing everything at it. Well, they would have wouldn't have to if you would just put a little needle in your arm, you big sucky baby. But I just find that fascinating that the internet is filled with people who are anti-vaxxers looking for anything they can do other than just the simplest thing. Like who makes that decision? Of course, he didn't drink any of his urine. Like, you know, it's like a lot, a lot of these, you know, a lot of these grifters, right? They recommend stuff without really doing it themselves, right? Of course. But, yeah, uh, yeah. this guy claims that drinking your pee. And, and, you know, who? and what kind of a wingnut follows up on that? Like, actually does. Yeah, I don't want, as you said, I don't want the vaccine. I don't want that needle. But I'll sure as hell drink my urine. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, who's but who's uh, more of a moron is the person who, you know, promotes that or the person who goes, that sounds great. And, you know, the people that <laughs> yeah. follow them go, you know, forget ivermectin, the horse dewormer. I know what I'll do. I'll just drink my own whiz. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> um, speaking of McCartney, you know, uh, George Martin, who passed away in 2016. Mm-hmm. Was the Beatles' longtime producer? Of course, lots of people thinking about the Beatles these days because of uh, the documentary from Peter Jackson. Uh, again, having some time this morning, I came across. I think this is George Martin's son, who put up a very sweet clip. I won't play you the whole thing. I'll just tell you if you want to go and search it out. It's George yeah. Martin talking to his granddaughter about when he met the Beatles and what he thought of them, and it's just. Very sweet because, you know, here at this point, I guess, and he's a very old man, but just it's interesting. Have a so, listen. He sent them down. I'm not sure if you can hear this, can you? Which is quite a long way. It it's okay. distant. Yeah, it's very, it's very low audio. I'll just let me just sum it up yeah. by saying if you go and look for it, because it's him, um, a really tiny video of him with a, a little girl, his granddaughter. And basically he just says, I, I met them. I didn't think they were that talented, but I thought they were nice people um, and they were clever and witty. And I thought I liked them very much. And I thought if I liked them this much, maybe other people would, too. Yeah. And I think it's sweet for uh, so many reasons, not the least of which that little girl is going to grow up one day and realize her granddaddy was talking about the Beatles. Mm -hmm. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah, I saw that clip in my mind. It's spun out of control, you know, sitting there telling your granddaughter that story. And again, her not fully appreciating the depth of it. 
And then I thought of me sitting with May May, my granddaughter, and saying, yeah, it was 1989. I met my buddy Howard, and we went on to do things like the Piss Report. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> the really, the really tough contest where we got a guy to jerk off ten times in a bathroom, and you know, we got another guy to stick his finger up his dad's <laughs> bum. That's right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and why did we do it? Because we liked it. Because we thought it was funny. Oh yeah, we talked <laughs> we about thought a guy. It was funny. That's what. Uh, that's what Grandpa. Did that's what Grandpa me. worked with his little Jewish friend, and they talked about guys drinking their own piss, and you know. <laughs> Doing some stuff uh, with poo and uh, oh yeah, farts always with the farts and yeah, it was quite a it was quite a ride, honey. Well, that's the thing is that our kids and then our ki- well your grandkids and maybe one day my grandkids and I mentioned this before that one of the regrets I have in terms of my parents is I wish I had more you know modern technology you know technology uh, sure. with them. You know I don't have a lot of video of my parents certainly not as they got older. But our kids, our grandkids, are going to be able to listen to the show going, oh, yeah, there they are again, talking about some whiz. Well, you know what? Who You know what, Howard, when you say that? Who knows? Like, for what? Because it will live forever, obviously, on the Internet. And at what point do my grandkids or your grandkids or kids take an interest in their grandparents and actually take the time to go, yeah. Those guys were broadcasters in Toronto, and then they were these podcast pioneers. Mm-hmm. Listen, I want to fully appreciate what they did. <laughs> I don't know. Sometimes I think of the things I've said and the things that you've said that made me laugh. Because when yeah. you say something offhand or vice versa, when we laugh at it, it's kind of a... You know, it's a de facto declaration of I agree with that because we don't agree with everything. But there are things that you say that I find hysterical and I think vice versa that are so offside. And again, taken out of context or not knowing us, you'd be like, what the fuck are those two laughing at? Um, anyway, speaking of uh, McCartney, because uh, you said you listened to Smart List and I played the George Martin clip. I, I, I think, you know, we got some time here before Brian Williams. So here it's been one week since you looked at me. I mentioned this is from the New Music Express, which is a famous rock and roll magazine now online, of course. And it's from an old interview. I, somehow this came up in my feed the other day. I, maybe it was printed by the... Actually, now that I remember, it was on Twitter, the uh, Bare Naked Ladies official Twitter site. And they directed me to this article. And the headline was, Who claimed that Bare Naked Ladies could outsing the Beatles? And it turns out Paul McCartney actually said that. Now, in this article, uh, Ed Robertson is saying, well, he reportedly said that Bare Naked Ladies' harmonies are right on, adding, they could outsing us any day of the week. Any day of the week. I don't think John and myself ever had that sort of, had the sort of range that they do. Wow. Ed says, I think he was either stoned or hadn't listened to a Beatles album in a long time, which <laughs> I thought was a great, uh, a great bit. I think Paul was either stoned or he hadn't listened to his own music. Mm -hmm. Anyway. You know, and only Paul could say that. Yes. Um, Because if the Bare Naked Lady said it, it would sound ridiculous. If other artists said it, it might be taken as a shot at the Beatles. But Paul saying that, it's like 100% full value. Crazy, eh? And he goes on, it it says, uh, one time I was asked about Prince. 
Ed goes on, thinking Bare Naked Ladies' fourth album, Stunt, was the greatest album of the year on a radio station. Prince had said this being interviewed. Mm-hmm. And uh, he said, but I tracked down the source of the quote, and it was actually himself in another interview talking about something. Anyway, mm. but uh, apparently that's, uh, that quote is uh, from Paul McCartney. That's fantastic. Uh, it really is. Can you imagine that? Imagine me and a person who's... Paul McCartney is actually, you've been on his radar. Yeah. That alone. Wow. He goes on to say, um, what did you, the interviewer asks, uh, what did Yoko Ono think of the Bare Naked Ladies single, Be My Yoko Ono? And they say, we met Sean early on because he was a fan and he tipped his mom to the song and she was moved because it was one of the first pop cultural sympathetic takes on John and Yoko and she gave us access to footage to use for the video she liked the song but she said she liked if I had a million dollars better (laughs) (laughs) which is funny that's funny anyway Uh, wow well isn't that something you know those little fellas from Scarborough on Paul McCartney's radar. Yeah, crazy, you know, and get And get a compliment like that. Wow. Um, we're going to be uh, setting up for uh, Brian Williams, and it's going to take a little bit here. So why don't you do what you need to do while I um, talk a little bit about... I'm sorry, you wanted to say something else? Well, I was just going to say, like, we're sort of doing a little Entertainment Tonight uh, segment. Yeah. I have to mention, yesterday, Delise calls me into the living room. She's watching this new show called The Good Dish. And Maria Osmond is on it. And she has become the latest Hollywood woman to let somebody go at her face. It's horrific, Howard. Mm. You know those Nutrisystem commercials or whatever, those weight loss commercials she was doing, how beautiful she looked, her sweet face. And I'll tell you, the guy has butchered her face. I don't know. I went online to see if there's any up-to-date pictures. I couldn't see them, but it was scary. It really was scary. That's too bad. It really, really is. I, I don't. It, you know, it's been a while since I've seen those commercials, but I, uh, yeah, I haven't seen her in public for a long time. Yeah, it was just you know you look and you say another one. Like why, why? You've seen what it's done to other people. Why you? I don't know, man. Maybe they think. Well, Nicole Kidman's like that. Nicole Kidman barely looks like the old Nicole Kidman. I'm not saying she looks terrible, but just doesn't look like herself. Mm-hmm. So, do you want to call our guest while I do this? Yes, I will. All right. And uh, while Fred's doing that, I'll tell you about Go Daddy. It's the perfect time of day. Go Daddy, powering small business and entrepreneurs. Entrepreneur. You said manure. For over 25 years and servicing over 20 million customers worldwide. GoDaddy is where people come to get a domain, create a website, and everything else you'd need to get your business online. There's no better time than now to get your idea online. With GoDaddy, you can find your domain, easily create your website, and finally bring it to life. With GoDaddy's free and friendly 24-7 phone support, they're also here to help you every step of the way. You can even start your website for freezies. That's nothing. No money. No credit card is even required. Visit GoDaddy.ca to learn more. Everything okay over there? Hello, yeah. 
No, he's calm. What we're doing here, I won't, I'll just tell you. If you're watching us on Facebook, what you can see Fred do is Fred is um, calling Brian Williams, but he doesn't seem to be getting through to Brian Williams. Is that what I'm... No answer at I, Brian Williams' place? Well, I called the number, and the person, that, it was a message machine, and it said, hello, this is Mike. Let me try again. I got the right yeah, number. I'm just, looking at it. I don't know. Um, no, I'm looking at it. Really, I like... Well, let me know, and I'll send Boone a, a note here in the middle of the show. By the way, while you're doing that, I can tell you... Um, since we're talking about, you know, entertainment and pop culture and such. The show that I spoke of, I think a week ago, Rachel recommended to me, and we watched it again last night. It's really one of the funniest shows that I had never heard of that a few Hundy Peas have commented about how much they enjoy it. If you're looking for something and you're like, what can, what can I watch next? Find the Righteous Gemstones. I'm telling you, Freddie, it will become quickly one of your favorite shows. Is it the best show of all time? I don't think so. Is it a very good show? I would say so. It's uh, Danny McBride, Adam Devine, John Goodman from Roseanne. He's lost about a thousand pounds. And the characters in this show are just unbelievable. But if you're looking for something this weekend, you're like, what can I do? What's something new I can watch? Why is there nothing to watch? Well, this is one of those shows, I promise you. It's not Game of Thrones, and it's not Breaking Bad, which, by the way, I don't know how this turned into the entertainment show, but today, on this day in history, in 2008, I think, or 2006, it was a while ago I read this, this was when Breaking Bad debuted. That's how long ago we thought, oh, TV can't get better than this. And that was kind of the beginning of this renaissance of all the best entertainment shifting from movies to episodic television. Breaking Bad, uh, The Sopranos, then Sons of Anarchy, and on and on and on. But The Righteous Gemstones, I got to tell you, I watched a couple more episodes last night. It's just lunacy how funny it is and how whacked it is. Um, any luck over there? Uh, no. And then Boone has gotten back to me saying, you know, that's the number. But um, I'm sorry. Uh, a guy named Mike uh, picks up. Maybe he's uh, this is on behalf of Brian. Did you give Mike the number? Well, he's got it. He's the one that gave it. Oh, wait a minute. No. <clears throat> sorry. He gave me the... He printed the wrong number. Okay. Here we go. He gave me the wrong number in email. Really? This should do it. All right. Well, I, I'm just talking about the righteous gemstones. So, uh, so what's happening now is we... So what, for some reason, Brian doesn't want to come on with his camera on, which is odd for a TV guy, but hey, whatever he needs. And uh, so there's a number we have to call <clears throat> to give Brian the number to call us. I'm just, just being transparent. This is what's happening. I don't know about you guys, but you know, sometimes I get this Zoom fatigue. Not that I'm saying this is what's happening now, although 
I thought of that the other day. Somebody I was supposed to meet with said, are we going to do a phone or Zoom? And I said, can we just talk on the phone? Can we just do that for a while? Because I'm just so sick. And I'm sure you guys are, too. If your job requires you to have meetings, and the nature of meetings have changed, if your job requires that, and then one of your friends at the end of a day of being on Zoom for eight or nine hours, if somebody you're friendly with says, hey, you want to Zoom? It's it's almost like the last thing I think you want to do. At least it is for me. Because a lot of the stuff we do, obviously, the show's on Zoom now. But I have, you know, meetings to do with the show that are on Zoom. I have meetings to do with this other show I do, the golf thing, that are on Zoom. And then my brother, I can't remember, I think it was David who said, uh, do you want to talk? And you want to, should we Zoom each other? I'm like, no. Part of it is I can walk around, you know, with my phone. I don't have to have, I can have my, my earbuds in. And I can just walk around on the phone without having to stare into a computer. Are we, uh, is that, was that successful? Yes, we're all good. Mike's email was num- one number off. Are you saying the great, all good. the great huh? Mike Boone mm-hmm. has made a mistake? Yeah. Well, I hope, he's, I hope he's ready for a Humble and Fred rant. Yeah, his email said uh, <laughs> 7427, but it was 7327. Can you, just, can you take over for a second? I, just gotta, I think this door is open. I'm, I'm getting a cold draft here. I've just talked about okay. the righteous gemstones. Uh, you just do a uh, whatever you have to do. I'll be right back. Oh, um, yeah, you know, it was great because uh, Brian Williams uh, told me he's really looking forward to this interview, which was very encouraging. It really was. And, of course, he's our Gig Sky guest of the day. Uh, Gig Sky has a new travel rewards program. Go to Gig Sky, the app, or uh, go to gigsky.com to check it out. Uh, also, Gig Sky's latest service offering includes mobile data while flying. When traveling on selected airlines and routes, you can get mobile data. Go to gigsky.com slash aeromobile to see their list of partner airlines. All Gig Sky data plans prepaid, no contracts or recurring fees. You get what you pay for, and your service is never, ever throttled. And $5 off, go to uh, gigsky.com, and HF2021 is the promo code, gigsky.com. Anyway, you didn't hear most of that because you were on the phone trying to get Brian Williams to call us. But I, I just I, I can't recommend that show enough. I, several times last night, I lolled like right out loud. Okay, like yes, and that's unusual because one of the things again for guys like us, you know, I'm not saying we have such a sophisticated sense of humor, obviously, mm-hmm. but it's more like you know when you're sort of being funny all the time, it really is the most bizarre stuff. At least for me, the darkest, weirdest, off color. Right. That, that kind of surprises me. Mm-hmm. And uh, there are several moments in every show that's ch- that are just so bizarre that I laugh and I also, you know, sort of shake your head at the same time. But it's really well done. Just before you go to Brian Williams, uh, something he just said to me. And again, I, I didn't correct him in the moment because of the situation we were in. And he said, I'm really looking forward to this. He said, you know, um, I remember you guys on the CBC. And I thought, what? And yeah. he said, yeah, you doing that Sunday night sports show. He said, I used to do the evening sports and then look forward to watching Humble and Fred. But yeah. That, that was my show, The Sports Zone, I know. which I did with B.J. Dale Conti. And I didn't want to say, well, no, that wasn't Humble. I didn't have time. Yeah. So if that comes up when he's on the call, yeah. I guess we'll have to correct that. I don't know. Well, I... I 
Yeah, you worked with B.J. Del Conte, and I, of course, worked with B.J. and the Bears, so it was a little <laughs> bit different. I, I it, it, Boone ma- mentioned that yesterday, that he thought we worked at the CBC, and I said, I guarantee he was thinking of Fred's show. That's, that was it. But uh, he, hasn't, you know, he hasn't popped back in yet. The other thing I was saying while you were getting Brian there is that I think like a lot of people, I'm not fatigued of doing the show on Zoom. I actually like it. Yeah, I mean, it's a bit awkward sometimes. It would be obviously used to enjoy having you in the studio. And as you said the other day when you were visiting, it's like, oh, remember when we used to do that? Yeah, I do. But this is fine with me. It's just the rest of the day. You know, we're coming up to 23 months of this. But I, I'm on so many Zoom calls, meetings for the show, meetings for Swing Thoughts, that when somebody wants to have a Zoom call just for recreational purposes now, I'm like, no, nah, I'd rather talk on the phone. I just would. I'm just getting tired of it. Okay, your mic's off. He hasn't called yet. I, I got him. I asked him to call right away. No. Huh. It said for eight fifteen, but yep. I said no. You can call right away. Did you hear what I said about the Zoom fatigue, or were you not? Yes. Yeah. Yes, I did. I say I you agree. went to respond, but your mic had been muted. Mm-hmm. Yes, the uh, Zoom fatigue, I agree. Sometimes you'd rather just uh, call somebody on the phone. Like you and I almost never, I don't think we do. Like, yeah, we talk after the show and you're on Zoom still. But when we need to talk to each other, um, oh, now Boone's calling me. When we need to talk to each other, we usually do it. On, yes, hold on. What? Now I can't hear you. I know you can't hear me. Uh, oh. Call him and give him the phone number and the passcode. Uh, shit, I don't know why this is so fucking complicated. No. What passcode? I don't have a passcode. No, hang on a second. I just hung up on him. I didn't mean to. What do you mean a passcode? <laughs> I don't know. You're just Now you talk about something for a couple minutes. It'll be fun. Okay. Um, but again, the, the you know, he he's an older... I don't want to say older, but I, I don't, he's not super uh, comfortable with technology. So <laughs> a passcode might be a little much to ask at this point. Uh, what do we got here? Oh, John Stewart. There's another name in the news. John Stewart uh, will be given the Mark Twain Award for Excellence in Comedy, a Lifetime Achievement Award. He will be uh, the 23rd uh, recipient. And uh, yesterday when I read this, uh, you know, they talked about his political, you know, his political positions and how he attacked Tucker Carlson once and may have brought down Tucker Carlson during his uh, stint at CNN. I'm sorry. Uh, take, a, take, start that again. Called, what, what was that all I'm about? I'm sorry. Can you hear me now? Yeah, now I can. What was that all about? What was all of what who, about? Who could take down Tucker Carlson? Oh, I was talking about John Stewart's getting oh. the Mark Twain Lifetime Achievement Award to continue with our um, Hollywood Tonight. He's getting that. He'll become the twenty third recipient. And when I was reading about it, uh, I was reminded back in two thousand four when he went on CNN Crossfire, and uh, Tucker Carlson was one of the guys from the right. 
And uh, John Stewart was amazing. He told Tucker Carlson, you do theater, okay, when you should be doing debate. What you do is not honest. It's partisan hackery. Mm. <clears throat> and, and Tucker Carlson had no response. And I, that's 2004. He nailed Tucker Carlson then. Remember, we used to wear the bow tie yeah. on CNN. But I was just saying that's when Jon Stewart, you know, when he started to get into the political aspect of his career. And uh, obviously, the rest is history. And uh, this Kennedy Center Mark Twain Award for comedy is uh, it's a huge deal. Yeah. Letterman. Mm hmm. Dave Chappelle. But, you know, I was reminded the other day I was reading something and they had a screen cap on this tweet or whatever social media post mm-hmm. showing what the judge is ruling about Tucker mm-hmm. Carlson in that lawsuit and the lawyers for Fox. Like it's there in black and white. And the average right. dweeb that supports Fox News and that whole right wing narrative, all they'd have to look at is. That screen cap of what a lawyer for Fox said, which is basically, no one should take this shit seriously. The, is the uh-huh. wording was something to the effect of, you, you come to this, no, you should come to this knowing that what you're seeing is basically theater and entertainment. It shouldn't be taken seriously. Mm-hmm. Paraphrasing. So if that's the truth from their own lawyers. Yeah. How does that not filter through the average person who watches it, who takes it as the gospel, literally, because they love Jesus. Because remember, somewhere along the line, they stopped calling it news and called it comment or debate or infotainment. They sort of spun it a different way. And when I say he brought down Tucker Carlson, Crossfire, it only lasted a few weeks after this incident with Jon Stewart. Coincidence or not, but... uh, it was a significant moment on that show, on CNN, in John Stewart's career, in Tuckle, Tucker Carlson's sickening career. So. All right. I think we have Brian Williams now after all of that. Thanks, everyone, for your patience. As soon as we get some audio from Brian, we'll, we'll start this, uh, inter- this in-depth interview rolling. Unfortunately, we don't have as much time because we've got other things planned. Brian, can you hear us? Yeah, I hear you. Oh, fantastic. Brian Williams, I don't know. There's, I always say this, but you're someone that needs really no introduction. 14 Olympics, 40 Grey Cups, and a, a whole nation that knows your name. Brian, welcome to the Humble and Fred podcast. Guys, it's a pleasure to be with you. I didn't have the ID number there. That's why the uh, bit of the delay, but I uh, finally got it from... Uh, from your producer, and uh, I'm looking forward to this. This is like old times, Fred, uh, humble. I remember when you uh, both had that uh, Sunday night uh, television show on CBC. It was around 11, 11.30, I, I recall, and I can remember doing the occasionally doing the late sports on a Sunday night, and uh, then uh, you guys would come up. Well, Brian, um, thanks for that. Uh, you know, I want to get into something here, like, because you've been around this market. And, I, you know, I only came to Toronto in the, in the late 80s. But Fred, who grew up here, you know, this we can get to television in a second. But you started off many years ago, like us, as radio guys. Is that kind of was that what you wanted to do? Radio sports? 
I wanted to do radio sports from when I was 10 or 11 years old. Uh, we were living in Connecticut, uh, born in Winnipeg. My dad was a doctor and uh, had gone back for some uh, extra uh, um, study and administration. He was giving up practice, and I can remember listening to the uh, Don Larson uh, perfect game in the World Series. I became enamored with uh, New York radio, uh, Yale University's in Connecticut, right, uh, right near New York. And uh, always wanted to work in radio. And uh, after high school in Hamilton, went to university at Aquinas College in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Uh, worked at a campus radio station, worked at a local rock and roll station. Tom Rivers was there, the late great wow. Tom Rivers from Chum. And then I wanted to come home to Canada, so I came back and uh, I went into Chum and I talked with the legendary Dick Smythe because when I was at school in Grand Rapids, Michigan, uh, people would come up to me and say, you're the Canadian? And I'd say, I am. And they'd say, well, we're from Fort Wayne, Indiana. We're from Cleveland. We're from Chicago. We yeah. listen to the Big 8, CKLW, 50,000 watts. And uh, so Dick Smythe hired me uh, to do news in September of 1970. Wow. And if he'd said to me I'd work for 50 years, I'd say, work for 50 <laughs> years? <laughs> I just want to live for another 50 years. And uh, I worked with uh, Jungle Jane Nelson on the morning show, or Roger Ashby, uh, I often did overnights uh, for his show, so it was a good time. I started in radio and then uh, went to CFRB, working with Dave Hodge uh, for the late Bill Stevenson, and then joined CBC Local in 1974. Yeah, we were talking about that earlier, Brian. Um, again, you are an inspiration to me because I was a kid growing up in Toronto listening to 1050 Chum, and I remember Dave Wright Chum Sports, and then Brian Williams Chum Sports, and then Brian Henderson. You guys at Chum were a big inspiration for me to want to get into the business. And I was saying to Howard, as a kid growing up to work at 1050 Chum as the sportscaster, that would have been the pinnacle of my career. But someone like you was a stepping stone. Did you always want to work in television? Did you always want to get to network and have your face on TV and be that guy? No, I wanted to work in uh, in sports, period, mm -hmm. and uh, obviously started in radio. I wasn't thinking television, and uh, Dick hired me uh, to be a newsman. <laughs> you guys will get a kick out of this. Mm -hmm. One day, I think I was going out to cover a story at City Hall, and he yelled out in front of the newsroom, Williams, if you come back with a sports angle to this story, I'm going to wring your neck. <laughs> Every time they'd send me out, I'd find a sports angle, and... Uh, and uh, then uh, moved over, as I say, to RB to work uh, with Dave and uh, for Bill. Mm -hmm. You know, Brian, you've been you've been covering athletes for a long time. And, and I sort of wanted to jump to a story that's kind of current, but it has to it sort of goes to the, the changing nature of the sports business and television in general. Did you find do you find watching the, the news these days, that guy in, in Edmonton sort of got pissy with what, a reporter? Has it changed dealing with athletes over the 50 years that you have? You're talking about Dreisaitl, I believe, yeah. with the Oilers. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, you you know, it, it has uh, been this way for many, many years. You know, there have always been incidents where... Uh, People uh, being interviewed get into it with reporters, but uh, you try to be upfront, you try to be fair, and you always try to speak to the person face to face. Okay, fair enough. And I, I get. Yeah, I mean, everybody's got to be asking you for interviews, and I'm sure the question all always comes up over this long, vast, um, spectacular career. Highlights, biggest moment. Can you even name one or? Are there several? Uh, every moment was big for me. I love live uh, live television. 
um, live radio, of course, but uh, live television uh, for most of my career. Uh, you know, people talk Olympics, having done 14, uh, the Grey Cups, you mentioned something near 40. But I also, you know, was fortunate to work Formula One racing with Jackie Stewart, uh, Indy cars with Bobby Unser, play-by-play of tennis, mm-hmm. uh, horse racing with Jim Bannon, downhill skiing, spent a lot of time in Europe with Ken Reed back in the days of the crazy Canucks uh, when it was big news on a Saturday afternoon on uh, on CBC. I can't pick out, I couldn't even pick out one Olympics, but... Uh, uh, many of them stand out for many reasons. I remember my my first Olympics was 1976 in Montreal. I, I didn't host all the Olympics. My host, first hosting was Los Angeles in 1984. But I remember I was in that stadium in 1976. I was doing weightlifting at the time or about to do weightlifting with Aldo Roy. And uh, just uh, seeing the athletes come in, seeing the faces of the athletes and, and how proud they were. And for many of these athletes, remember, uh, you know, if you're not in the big sports and the big stadium, they don't compete in front of a crowd uh, like uh, there is for the opening ceremony. So, you know, I, I will always remember that. I'll remember uh, uh, 1984, um, Lionel Richie with the pianos in the big stadium in the opening in Los Angeles. That's right. Um, you know, Soul, uh, people, you know, remember Soul for Ben Johnson and, uh, and my, myself having to uh, tell the world what was happening. But what I remember, too, in Soul was, and, and it was the emotion. And I'm not just talking, I am just talking Olympics, but it's emotion that extends to all sports I covered. And you talk about emotion, we're doing the opening ceremony, 1988 in Seoul. At the, after, you know, so much had gone on during the ceremony, in comes the flame, and it's carried by an elderly gentleman, an old man, probably as old as I am right now. And I looked over to the Korean broadcasters, uh, they had tears in their eyes, uh, the stadium, I think it was 80,000 people, most people crying. What happened was, back in 1936, in front of Hitler, this old gentleman, then a young man, won the, uh, I believe it was a marathon, and had to accept the gold medal and listen to the Japanese national anthem, had to accept it for Japan, because Japan was occupying Korea at that time. Wow. And now he comes in to the stadium in his home country, and uh, it was a very emotional moment. Uh, Albertville in 1992, I believe it was, it, the Soviet Union had just broken up and with all these new countries and to see the pride on the faces of the athletes carrying their flags, their new nation's flag for the first time on the world stage was something very special. But but no question, um, I wouldn't say it's a highlight, but what stands out is Vancouver in 2010. Don't forget, Canada was the only country to host two Olympics, Montreal summer in 76, Calgary um, uh, winter in 88, Calgary had the uh, two great silver medals by Liz Manley and Brian Orser. Uh, the uh, high jumping uh, silver medal in Montreal, of course, occurred on a Saturday afternoon. That was a great highlight. But Canada was the only country to host two Olympics and not win a gold medal on home soil. So heading into uh, Vancouver, that was the question everyone was asking. And there was a new attitude, guys. I'm telling you, with Own the Podium, better financing, an attitude that, hey, the athletes right. would say, we're going to do our best, and our best is good enough to win. So the country's asking that question. The opening ceremonies were on a Friday night, Sunday night, a couple of nights later. 
Alec Bilodeau. Alex Bilodeau, the uh, freestyle skier from Quebec, wins the first gold on Canadian soil. And what wow. that does, it, it, it opened the floodgates. No one had any idea that uh, the goal by Sidney Crosby in overtime on the uh, last Sunday of the games would be gold medal number 14 for Canada. Right. So w- what I'm getting at is that uh, this was uh, an all-time Olympic record. Well, you know, Canada, Brian, if, nation, 14 gold. So Brian, if I could just I interject here. If I could just interject, if I if I may, uh, Brian, for someone that says they don't have that many memories of it, you have nothing but memories of it. <laughs> and, and and I'm struck, if I could just interject and say, you know, one of the, and we've talked to other people, you know, our friend uh, Ron McLean, and you know, there are very few yeah. people that have been where you and he have been. There aren't many broadcasters with that kind of depth and, and breadth to their careers. But one of the things I'm always struck, and in listening to you now, I'm reminded about how much preparation is done as a broadcaster, especially the lead guy like you, before these Olympics. It's like cramming for an exam. And I and I reason I, I think that is because you have such vivid... I mean, I can't remember... I can barely remember who won the Super Bowl last year, but you're talking about events, uh, Canadian Olympic historical events that go back many, many years. Is that because of the preparation? Well, it, uh, I, by the way, uh, Ron's a good friend. We had worked many Olympics. But I will tell you this. It's not cramming. It's constantly an ongoing process of studying. Mm-hmm. I'm sitting in my office at home, and I have nothing but Olympic books around me in the bookshelves. And you just don't, a couple of months before an Olympic game, start studying. You're mm-hmm. doing it on an ongoing basis uh, for years and years and you're not only learning about the athletes and the athletes beyond Canada and the other countries, what you're learning about or what I did was to learn the history of the country that is hosting the games at that particular moment. Mm-hmm. And often we would go to the uh, to the country ahead of time as we did to Greece before the games in Athens. But uh, so it's not cramming. You've got to be prepared. And it is all about preparation. There is no shortcut mm-hmm. to uh, to uh, preparation and I'll tell you one very quick story the late Larry King was asked if he was ever nervous and he said only when he was not himself I would say I was only not myself in television if I was not prepared right you've got to be prepared there are no shortcuts there is no cramming and it is quite simply about preparation Brian with so many um you know, sports outlets now, you know, specialty channels and you know, you can get sports 24 hours a day is the day of the television sportscasting star over like there was Don Chevrier and Johnny Esau? You know, there was CBC, CTV. So, you know, their stars got, well, they were held up and everybody knew who they were. You know, once Ron McLean is out of the scene, and who knows when that will be, will we ever see that again? The big star television sportscaster? Or are there just too many now? No, you still have, um, you know, Al Michaels is up there, but uh, uh, on ABC or NBC, formerly ABC, um, you mentioned Don Chevrier, Ernie F. Aganis, Don Whitman, the great Don Whitman, yeah. Tom McKee, Ted Reynolds, they were the right. stars and when I came in. I, you know, the, the business is changing. Uh, there are more channels. It's great. Um, uh, you know, there's more opportunities for men, for women. Um, um, you know, for various minorities, I think it's great. And uh, I find it interesting. As I was saying to Scott Russell, he said, you did your last Olympics when I was on CBC a month or so ago. He said, you did your last Olympics in 2012 in London. Um, I I said, yes. And since then, I've enjoyed your coverage and watching you people. So, uh, 
you know, the business does change like any business changes, and uh, it's stronger than ever and with more channels and uh, more games. Right. I mean, you know, you can watch football, uh, CFL's over, but NFL, you can watch it three, four nights a week. That didn't no. used to occur. Absolutely. Another um big aspect of your career being part of the longest syndicated radio show in Canadian history. Uh, Don Cherry's Grape Line. You and Don Cherry syndicated on the radio across the country for how many years? 35 years. Uh, Prior Smith uh, who is uh, mm-hmm. who does uh, Canada Calling in Florida. Prior was a very prominent newsman at CFRB when I worked there and uh, Prior approached me and uh, said, Don Cherry wants to do a radio show and he wants to do it with you. And I think I'd interviewed him once. Uh, we became very good friends, uh, very close friends, Don and I, over the years. But uh, the three of us enjoyed it. We taped them five for the week every Sunday morning. So uh, it was, you know, our, our goal was to not be a copy of, uh, of Coach's Corner. It was to be right. something different. And uh, we talked hockey, a lot of old time hockey. Don's memory is unbelievable and his stories are unbelievable. Mm-hmm. So, you know, uh, on Monday morning, we'd, uh, we'd have uh, wrap ups from Saturday night and then the rest of the week we'd be telling um, uh, hockey stories. But uh, it was a success because uh, Don is such a master uh, storyteller and we had we had decided to end the show after 35 years and we did that uh, in the spring of the year that uh, that was our last show and it's sure. like uh, i'm not sure i said this to you earlier but uh, when dick smite hired me the great dick smite back in september 1970 if he uh-huh. said to me you'll work 50 years i'll say work 50 years yeah man i just want to be alive in 50 years <laughs> you know yeah. it's funny um not funny i don't know if it's interesting you know we've been doing our jobs i was telling fred uh, for just coincidentally this is national disc jockey day and i know none of us are d- disc jockeys anymore but you know i started off as a disc jockey in moose jaw in 1977 and i said this to freddie earlier on the show brian quite sincerely i i still love doing this, this this podcast has made our careers last longer than you could have ever imagined because for 10 plus years, we've owned the show. We broadcasted ourselves. We do all the deals ourselves. All this by way of saying that we'll continue doing this, you know, as long as we can. What about you? Did you do you feel after, you know, a year, a 50 year career? Do you feel like you miss it, that you would want to still do something? You have any interest in this? Yeah, I do have some interest. By the way, you worked at CHAB in Moose It was a member of the Canadian Contemporary News System. When I worked at Chum, it was part of the uh, the Chum News Network. Uh, no, I mean, listen, we all uh, remember the people, Tommy Shannon and CKLW, uh, um, Jungle Jane Elson, um, you know, so many uh, big Tom Rivers at Chum who's passed away. Um, regarding what I do now, people say to me, I've had people say to me, and they say this to anyone that retired, gee, you look younger than 75, uh, why don't you keep going? I don't keep going because 50 years, I'm 75, I want to retire healthy. Mm-hmm. And this is very, very important. When I was heading over to Hamilton, Sunday, December the 12th, last December, uh, they had a very nice um, video tribute to uh, Paul Harrington put together on uh, TSN. Um, with James Duffy hosting in the pregame show, I got a call from a friend in Calgary, and he said to me, congratulations on retiring healthy. And I said, what are you talking about? He said, I was going to retire five, six years ago, and they talked me into continuing for three or four years. I got Parkinson's, very bad, very Hmm. bad Parkinson's, and I'm confined to bed now, so retire healthy. And my dad, um, 
who was a doctor, died just uh, shy of his 102nd birthday uh, four or five years ago. <laughs> wow. And uh, when he was 100, I flew out to Victoria. And I said, is there anything you'd do differently? He said, yes, I'd retire earlier. Yes, I miss it because I love doing it. It wasn't like work, but I don't miss it to the point saying that I shouldn't have retired. Right. It was the right thing to do. You're better to retire when people say you did a good job than you stayed too long. But I have five grandchildren uh, today. Uh, we're going down to pick up a little four-year-old Henry from school because uh, his mom and dad are working from home. And then we'll uh, take them over to, to where they live. So, uh, right. you know, it's something I thought of uh, a couple of years before it was time to go. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. 50 years in any job right. is, is, is uh, quite quite something. Uh, back to Don Cherry, uh, longtime friends. Uh, do you stay in touch with him? And um, Yes, I do. And the ending of his career, your thoughts on that? Was that just or not? Or, and what's Don's uh, mind frame? Is he still healthy? <laughs> Yeah, Don is uh, Don is healthy and uh, and uh, doing well. I talked to him. I talked to Pryor, and uh, um, you know, I mean, he's uh, he's an amazing amazing person. He's uh, in his late eighties. His birthday's coming right. up, and. Uh, so it's, it's all good like that. Hey, Brian, um, before we let you go, and we've got a couple people standing by, but before I, I, I would be remiss if we didn't ask you, because you've covered so many Olympics and you have such a uh, depth of knowledge, what about this one coming up? Beijing, you know, Omicron is rampant. Chinese, uh, the Chinese have a horrible human rights record. Do you think we should go? This is very, very important, and listen carefully. If you'd ask me, Three, four months ago, I'd talk about it and say, no, you shouldn't. Uh, Oslo, Norway held the 52 games that the Edmonton Mercuries won the men's hockey, didn't win again until Canada didn't until 2002 in Salt Lake, 50 years later. But uh, And Germany, Munich, Germany, right near Garmisch-Partenkirchen, one of the great ski hills in the world. They bowed out, Oslo and uh, Munich, because it was too expensive, and they, they went to Beijing. Uh, I didn't think it was a good idea at the time. But now the Olympics are here, and I said this prior to Tokyo. Now the Olympics are here. It's about the athletes. I've always maintained the Olympics is not about the fat cats in the IOC that run it. It's not about the politician our politicians, it's about the athletes. And now that the athletes are going over, I know that's scary with COVID, I know about the human rights, but if the athletes are going over, now is not the time to be second guessing whether they should be there. That should have been done months ago. Yeah, mm-hmm. great. Well said. And, and let's uh, have Ryan Williams have the last word. Man, listen, it's great to hear your voice. You sound great. And I, and I really appreciate it, both of us, too, taking some time with us. Okay, my friend? Absolutely. Uh, I've known you guys for a long time. Absolutely my pleasure. I wish you and your families and uh, and people listening nothing but good health. You too, sir. Thank you, Brian Williams. An honor there. Yeah, Thank really. You, take, s- take care, guys. I really enjoyed it. All right, friend. Take care. Take care. That's uh, the great Brian Williams. That was cool. Okay. Off the top there when he brought up the sports zone thing about you and I working at the CBC. Yes. I was clearing my throat and I hit. <laughs> you, you, yeah. Because I was waiting for. So you, I, I was thought you were going to answer that, so I didn't want to say anything. No, I know. I and was going to. I was going to say, Brian, that's so long ago. I can. Yeah, but I, and then I didn't want to correct him because I I, it's I not me. I wasn't that guy. No, I know. Just so, and I was going to. I was on my way, and I started talking, and then realized I was on mute because I was clearing my throat, and I had a big. 
glob in there. But That's anyway, right. it's fine. And then yeah, he no, he's a, hello, you know, hello, hello. No, I know. 75-year-old guy. And, you know, like, I, he reminds me so much of my youth and so much of, like I told you, in my house, you know, we were us. My dad and mom loved the CFL. You know, like, they just did. My mom was a, a Blue Bombers fan. My dad was a Saskatchewan fan, I, I think. And but, but it was a big thing in my in our house. So Brian Williams doing the Grey Cup was a big thing. You know, it was kind of a cool that I... And he's one of those guys where if my my parents were still alive, I'd say, mm-hmm. hey, we had Brian Williams on the show, you know? But, you know, my question, I mean, he referenced, uh, you know, Al Michaels, but those are established guys. Yeah. I was talking in the future... Will will people rise to that level again? It's just, again because there's just so many of them, you know. There's a bunch of good guys. There's a bunch of guys yeah. like Merrick that if it was an, an earlier time, Merrick, who's a star, but he would be a superstar. You know, twenty years ago, he would be one of those guys. He'd be Ron McLean. Yes. Yeah, yeah. By yeah. the way, before I forget, because I, 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 I want to tease this to the end of the show. Uh, after Dan, after Tim Daniels, after Boone. At the end of the show, I'm going to tell you something, Fred, that today is going to mark a huge change in the PGA Tour. And I'm going to tell you it's all because of one guy from South Africa. Ooh, I can't wait. Um, I'll tell you, before we get to Dan, actually, let's get Dan Duran on here. Is Dan Duran uh, a veteran newsman? I wonder if Dan Duran's run into Brian Williams. They, you know, all the wow. superstars hang out together. Uh, wow. He's a South African guy? Yes. Don't look it up. It's just, I, and I'm being, I'm being uh, on purpose, uh, uh, a little bit of, you know, obscure because I've been reading about this character, and it is, it is one of those things that, uh, if you look back to Tiger Woods in 1997, today is the result of golfers going from big fat doughy guys to what I'm going to tell you about in a few minutes' time. Uh, Dan Duran came and went. We had Dan Duran, and now he's gone. So I'll tell you what. While we're waiting for Dan, uh, <laughs> Jesus, let's. Uh, oh, there's. Oh, uh, who the fuck is this? Maybe it's that Mike guy who I left a message. Just see if it is. Oh God, the wrong number. Okay, he's gone. Dan Duran is back. All right. But while we're waiting for Dan, let's talk a little bit about our friends at Canna Cabana. You know, I think it's funny, in, in only a short time, I think we've all kind of take it for granted now that, you know, weed is legal, but it wasn't that long ago, 20, I think I want to say 2018, and now we just talk about it like, yeah, this is how cool our country is. We have places like Canna Cabana who can offer the lowest prices guaranteed, not only and it's not, we're not talking about skunk weed here. We're talking about the best weed. Because of the fact there's so many locations across the country, it makes sense. They can, you know, buy, I guess they buy it in bulk and they sell it for a lot less, but it's the best. It is the best weed at unbeatable prices. In fact, unbeatable prices on everything dried flour, vapes, edibles, concentrates, bongs, dab rigs, and more. This sounds like a weekend of dance, you know. Uh, the largest selection of <laughs> cannabis weekend at Danny's. Largest selection of cannabis brands and accessories. The highest THC for less. Go to cannacabana.com and you'll find out what we're talking about. Become a Canna Cabana Club member and get even more savings. Save up to 70% on accessories every day. Unbeatable uh, and really, really good. Cannacabana.com. 
The retirement Sherpa, Tim Niblett, he was by yesterday again and was talking about uh, life insurance and that aspect of uh, wealth building, you know, retirement planning. Uh, again, it's one of those things where people claim, oh, I can do it on my, my own. I don't need a guy. Well, okay, but what about that aspect of it? Because it's very important, can be very important. Again, uh, your age comes into it. At what point do you get involved in life insurance? What point do you get out? Again, just more information that you need somebody like Tim Niblett, like several other Humble and Fred listeners. They've jumped on board with the Sherps, and he's done a great job for them. Tim is a portfolio manager. Raymond James, a member of the Canadian uh, Investors Protection Fund. You can contact the man at retirementsherpa.ca. All right. Now, here's to a fella named Dan Duran, a hell of a guy with a hella big wang, the quintessential anchor man. His voice is nice and low. Huh. Dan Duran, the anchor man, comes. As for credentials, he has none. Can't tell a headline from his bum, but his voice is nice and low. Dan Duran, the anchor man's here. He's prone to falling off his chair, but he's got a big wang, so he don't care, and his voice is nice and low. My voice is nice and low. The Piss Report. (laughs) (laughs) The Piss Report. (laughs) You know, one day you're going to have grandchildren, and you'll say, what was it like working with Humble and Fred, granddaddy? And you'll just go, listen to this. The Piss Report. That's what it was like. I I worked with Humble and Fred, and they were obsessed with the length of my (laughs) penis. Uh, It was very embarrassing for me at the time, and I'd rather you not listen to those segments, because Papa's embarrassed. (laughs) Did you ever uh, run into Brian Williams anywhere? Because, you know, people don't remember this, but I'll remind everyone that Dan Duran at one time was a sports reporter for TSN. That is correct. <clears throat> I didn't know anything about it, and uh, I got I, I got wrong. I, I don't even remember the guy's name. the uh, The coach of the uh, the Calgary Flames at the time. This would have I was been interviewing the him about something, yep. and I got it was the Sutters or their Sutter Sutter or oh, Sutter. Okay. Right? I got the Sutter? name. Uh, yeah, wait, wasn't there their brothers? Is yeah. it the Sutters? Oh, like yeah, yeah, Daryl Sutter, Brian Sutter. Yeah. And I got mixed up with one of the Sutter Suter, whatever the name was, and he took me to town for mispronouncing the name or not knowing something, some element right. of that. And uh, that I, I walked away from that, with my head, <laughs> head down, thinking, "Oh my god!" <laughs> I, I had to prepare like four hours of of research for every single time I uh, I did anything. Uh, with TSN because I didn't know enough about sports at the time. Well, how did you like? How did you con them into giving you the job? Like, if there's one thing about sports broadcasting, guys have to have the Im- image that they're on top of it, like they're encyclopedias of sports. Like, like, but how that, did you get through that process well, of actually putting on the jacket and getting in front of a camera? Well, this is really, really early Gee. in TSN's time. Yeah, and they were they had correspondents across uh, all right uh, Canada, and they had little production companies and uh remember Lou Skeezes? i don't know if you remember him he mm, was part I'm of sorry a production, who, who a did what tiny mm. production company mm. and uh i don't know how how we all ended up connecting but he well because you would, uh, you and i i'll tell you how you and i were roommates he and i were buddies and um you had been doing some television and he needed somebody they but he was they were there was all these satellite companies across canada before tsn was sort of had their own you know mm. field reporters they just hired freelancers 
across the country. And at the time, you know, Dan was, you know, Dan looking, you know, good looking guy. And, and Lou hired him. And then I remember Lou and I often briefing Dan about the sport that he would be going to cover. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and then, of course, he'd take back the field reporting stuff. Like, Dan wasn't doing in-depth interviews. He was just doing some field stuff. Right. Yeah. Because I'll tell you one thing about sports fans, like sports nerds, they see through that real quick. Yeah. So Well, you, I mean, I, I, yeah. I had lots of people around me, like Howard, yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and the reports were like two, two and a half minutes at yeah. the end, right? And lots of visuals and Dan doing the wraparounds. But I'll tell you what he does do. He knows his news. And now, from Lakeside... Humble and Fred News proud to present Anchorman Dan Duran. Pigs in people. And just a few days ago, we talked about an ex-con who got a new heart from a genetically modified pig at the University of Maryland. Remember that? Mm. Not to be outdone, the University of Alabama modified a pig and put kidneys into a brain-dead human. It is considered an important step toward animal organs potentially becoming viable for transplants to save human lives in the future. <laughs> you know, the poor animal kingdom. I mean, it's like, you know, think about the vibe in the animal kingdom. They're like, wait a second. So they, they're not now they're not just eating us, killing us and eating us. Now they want to fucking take our organs and put them in their own bodies. Where will it end, humans? <laughs> yeah. Well, there is many ethical questions you can imagine. There's the the animal to human disease infection and mutation thing that uh, is all around the coronavirus. And then there's uh, the ethical treatment of transplant animals and now the ethical treatment of brain dead humans. <laughs> yes. Well, like imagine. I mean, that guy that, that got the new kidney, kidneys, I mean, they've already got authorization. So what's to prevent them from experimenting on other uh, organs? Okay. So this Try guy out. was brain dead. What was the idea? Just So if he died, it didn't matter? Was that the deal? Like, Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. I mean, he he he, uh, he was a like a motocross racer or something, and he died. You know, yeah, well, he yeah. he became brain dead through a really freak accident, apparently. Right. And his family said yes, that this would be good. To, he would say yes to something like this because uh, that, that was his personality to help people. So he thought that they thought it would be fine. Yeah, yeah it's going to be interesting, you know, how that's handled. And I know PETA and a lot of these places have a problem with farming animals for just eating them, but. Can you imagine there may come a day where they farm these animals for their organs to put into humans? Oh, yeah. Yeah. But will will there be a, a problem with that? Like this farm over here, all those pigs are just for their brains to put into humans. Yeah, those are right. Yeah, And, and considering yeah. if you've ever seen one of those documentaries that show how, you know, big farms and how the animals are treated. I don't want some brain from some shitty, you know, factory pig. I want fresh. Yeah. I want free range pig brain. I can imagine you wanting to go through a binder and picking your <laughs> That's <pig>. right. <laughs> kind of, what was the personality? Hey, and by the way, speaking of brain dead, maybe they can put one of these pig brains in fucking Trump. Thank you. Good night. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. Uh, Dan Duran, it's National Disc Jockey Day. I would also like yes. to remind people not only did Dan Duran work at TSN and many other television properties, and uh, of course, recently did the morning show in Peterborough, and of course, weather. But years ago, even before I and Jeff, our buddy Lumby, and another guy, Danny Kingsbury, who we've talked about on the show. But even before we met Dan, Dan was the first of us, I think, that actually had a radio DJ shift. And I want to guess, will you tell me if I'm right? I think your first actual on-air gig was weekends at CFRA in Edmonton? Close. 
Uh, no, it was uh, it was uh, CFRN. CFRN. In Edmonton. But it was a disc CFRN, jockey yes. shift. Yeah, and I did uh, weekend swing. So I did some all you know all nights on the weekends, and then sometimes throughout the weeknight. And when I was still in high school, my last year of high school, I was doing. That. Wow, think about that. Yeah, those were big stations. Yes, right? huge. And uh, yeah, so I got fired from there, and then I went to uh, <laughs> I went to Lloyd Minster. Actually, you know what? I got fired there because I didn't know sports. It was a, a one of those uh, you know three station uh, clusters right. where they right. had an AM and an FM and a TV yeah. station. Mm-hmm. The uh, the Oilers were on the air, uh, and I was uh, running the game. And mm-hmm. uh, this uh, after that, they had the Red Rooster Sports Report at the end of the game. <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, the news or the sports guy was waiting around because the game had gone into overtime to do the late night news. And finally, the game got so late that uh, he he just threw his copy at me and said, "I got to go." So he so here's me and all his abbreviations for himself on this sheet of paper of all the scores, right? So it's like three letter abbreviations for every single for the team. team for the team okay. names. I would have loved for the to hear that. So I, I tell you, so but, <laughs> I wish I but had I'm that. sorry, were you doing news or were you actually jocking a shift? I was no, I was jocking a shift, oh, okay. but uh, the, after after the uh, so it's the top back in the day they always so, did the news at the top of the hour, right? So the news, weather, and sports, and also at this particular point they were doing the the wrap up of right. uh, all of hockey games and weather or sports yeah, at the very right. end of the hockey game. Uh, who are these guys that are so powerful within a radio station? Fuck this, I gotta go. <laughs> like, like who would do that? Well, listen, I love TV, that. Listen, TV t- took more priority, and so he just uh, and then and then I got a phone call right. <laughs> After that, and I had the program director Walt Giddick called me and said, "Old Wally, like, I'd like uh, I'd like to have a meeting with you tomorrow morning." So you got fired before I'd even known you. Okay, yeah. well, you, you got to go. Come back after, and <laughs> yeah. um, I'll tell you what we'll do. Maybe for fun, for if you want to find a song from the seventies that you would have introduced, I'm going to give you a few minutes to try to th- figure. You let me know, and we'll have Dan Duran intro a song. This this podcast is going to go on for hours. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm going to tell you about this PGA Tour thing, and then Dan Duran's going to come back in about 10 minutes, and he's going to uh, show us what it was like back in the 70s being a disc jockey at CFRN. The CFRN, yeah. All right, man. Thank you very much. All right. Tim Daniels lives in Florence, and uh, Tim and I are both from Moose Jaw. When Tim was in his last year of high school, when you were in your last year of high school, I was only a year older than you, but I got a job at 17. This is 45 years. It's national. By the- Hi, Timmy. Uh, hi, guys. This hey, is Tim. It's, it's National Disc Jockey Day, Tim. And it, it reminded wow. me of something you said recently. And I was yeah. thinking about this. So I would have been 17. I started in July of 1977 on the radio station. Yeah. And after you made this comment the other day, I thought, well, wait a second. Well, I realized you would have been in grade 12 when I was mm-hmm. the evening DJ at yeah. CHAB, the rockin' humble Howard whatever show. And exactly. uh, <laughs> and so you, I would have been your high school DJ, even though we're only like a year apart in age. That's right. Uh, absolutely. And I, uh, I made sure all my friends knew that. that hey, I know that guy. We're buddies. <laughs> exactly. And now I'm, I, I'm, I'm famous by association. Well, except yeah. now I tell everyone, I know Tim Daniels, you know, from Health Gauge. <laughs> yeah. You sons of bitches. How you feeling, man? How's the COVID in your house? 
Uh, fantastic. Um, fortunately for us, and I know this isn't the experience that everybody has, but uh, in our case, um, we were all kind of, uh, you know, down in the doldrums for about four 48 hours and, and it passed. So, um, so we, you know, we, we came out the other side um, uh, very lucky. Um, had a, you know, kind of a, a bit of, uh, felt like uh, a slight flu, a bit of a fever, runny nose, bit of a cough and so on. Um, so it, it was, uh, it was easy going for us. Not, mm-hmm. not always the case. Um, some other people who happened to be with us at the time that we uh, uh, contracted it, um, and maybe I was the, <laughs> the, the carrier, I don't know. But um, some other folks who were around our, our Christmas table when we got it, um, they weren't so lucky. They, you know, they went through like 10 days of uh, um, some fairly you know, serious symptoms. And one of our friends is still struggling to this day. And that was, you know, three weeks back now. And, well, you know, you know so. that, that's what my wife keeps saying to me when I get yeah. impatient with this. Mm-hmm. Uh, like even last night, apparently they're going to um, ease restrictions here, Tim. At the end of the month, uh, restaurants will be able to go back to 50 percent. And I was ranting and raving and going, ah, oh, it should be 100 percent. But she said that, you know, most of the people uh, that get it, it's like you had it, but you don't want to be one of those people like you just described. You know, it's a crapshoot. It's a roulette wheel. You don't know. You're absolutely right. And and it's just, you know, it's the weight of the numbers, because um, even if it's, you know, a fraction of one percent who um, have some serious symptoms, man, that 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 ends up being a lot of people that are in front of their doctor or in the emergency room or whatever. Yeah, I know. It's just um, aggravating. Just because everybody's getting Mm. it now. Well, Mm. you know, it's funny. And this is a good segue. And I had intended to do this, but I'm glad this is the opportunity because the health gauge watch, there's so many things. And it's one of those things like there's so many aspects to it that... That I didn't. I'm. I don't know that I've even been using it right, but I do know this. One of the things in COVID that is a an indicator that you're going to have a bad outcome is if your blood oxygen level drops. And I was yes. just playing around with the Phoenix the other day, the watch that I have, and I, I was like, "What does this mean?" SpO2. I'm an idiot. So I, of course, I've had the watch for eight months. I went and looked this up. It's really. It is. What they're talking about, Fred, it's your blood oxygen level. And I started looking at mine. I'm like, oh, so if I should, you know, if I if I'm unlucky and I get some Omicron, this watch can tell me what my blood oxygen level is before. I Mm -hmm. Because if you don't have this, you have to go and get your that thing that goes on your finger that doctors have the ox thing. It's amazing. Were you using this when you had your Uh, sickness? Yeah, absolutely. And um you know the one um, uh, the one issue that, that a lot of people have had with the COVID is that um, their blood oxygen level drops dramatically yes. and instantly within a matter of minutes. It goes from you know the high nineties, which is normal, you know, down into the eighties, um, which is life threatening, and and it, and it happens in minutes. And uh, um, and there is no uh, outward symptoms. Um, And so without, you know, something like this on your wrist, you know, blinking at you saying, uh, call your doctor because your blood blood oxygen level just dropped without something like that, um, you know, it goes from being, 
you know, a mundane kind of achy uh, mm -hmm. uh, inconvenience to a life-threatening problem, uh, just like that. So, yeah, the blood e oxygen e level is e Even the basic feature of warning you, like mine's set yeah. up, when my temperature gets a bit, you know, it, it vibrates yeah. and shows me the, the yeah. thermometer. And yeah. Really, that's happened to me a couple of times over the past couple of weeks, and I'm thinking, boy, that's odd. Why would my temperature be up? And I, I immediately think COVID. Right. But then exactly. it's because I'm doing something or it's under my sleeve or I've just gotten yeah. out of the shower or something. But still, it's an alert where if that kept happening, it, happening, it would be like, wow, this isn't right. Yeah. And so what happened to me, Fred, was that, you know, for the 48 hours that I was showing symptoms of, of COVID and tested positive um, that night um, in bed, I, you know, I had the, the, mm -hmm. the fever and the chills and three times in the night. My watch beeped and more and woke me up and mm -hmm. to warn me that uh, that, you know, I, I was running a, a fever that my temperature was up and reminded me to rehydrate. So, you know, I woke up and had a big glass Beauty. of water and went mm -hmm. back to bed. And that happened three times during the night. So, um, it, you know, that's one of the features of, of the watch also. Uh, it really is a wonder watch. Mm -hmm. It is a wonder watch. Or, 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 you know, think think you know a little bit outside the box um okay i'm i guess young enough healthy enough that um you know i wasn't overly worried what the outcome was going to be with with the omicron but let's say i had a, an elderly relative and mm -hmm. was worried about what their outcome would be um by me strapping this on their wrist i can have access to their biometrics in the middle of the night so right. that I'm warned if something's going sideways on them. So, you know, that's that's one of the other features is that, uh, you know, this is this is helpful for a family member who's, you know, yeah. isolated on the other side of the country. Yeah, so, you know, I'm going to start monitoring Howard like that 24 hours just so I know. You should. I'll wear <laughs> a know, second watch. Right. that I'll, I'll get two watches, the Fred monitoring yeah. watch. Just so, you know, as you're, as, you know, as you're going through your difficulties, I can be on top of it. I'm having trouble with frequent urination. It's a long story, Tim. Mm -hmm. um, but I mean, this is a conversation I think that we should have. And it's important, that, you know, I, I don't want to say, hey, because of COVID, you should get this watch. But there's a lot of things the watch does. But this particular access, uh, aspect of it, temperature, blood oxygen, those are things you'd kind of want to know. And, you know, I don't know what you intended to talk about, but I want to just say, we never talk about the price of this watch. I'll tell you, it's, it's, com it's comparable to other watches in this category, cheaper than some. But I'll tell you, what it does have, the features it has beyond the, you know, the ones you know I'm talking about that track your steps and calories burned. But for people in our age group, in the 55 to 70-year-old age group, it's in invaluable yeah. And we offer this promo code, HumbleFredHG, gets you 15% off, which makes a dent in this price. It's not super expensive, but listen, you get what you pay for, right, Timmy? And it's, I think, yeah. well worth the money if anyone wants to invest in it now. Yeah. No, I, I, I certainly agree. And, and you know, to, to bring it around to an analogy that you can certainly relate to, Howard, why do you have a coach for golf? Why, why do you have a coach? And, and it's, they're your mirror. They're your reflection. They're, they're picking 
picking up things uh, in your swing, in your game that, um, that, that you're not picking up yourself. And that, that's what, what it's all about. This is doing the same thing. This, this is picking up. This device on my wrist is picking up and, and, and giving me feedback on, you know, certain things that's going on with my health that I might not be aware of. And, and so it's, 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 it's a coach. It's, uh, it's a mirror. That, that's the whole idea of it. And how I use it, now that's up to me. And, uh, um, and hopefully what you do with it is, is you take that, that feedback and make whatever changes need to be made either immediately, you know, for example, you're running a fever, you know, pop some, uh, some aspirins and get a glass of water into you or whatever, or long-term um, uh, 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 modifying your lifestyle in such a way that you're bringing your blood pressure back in line and, and, and so on and so forth. Yeah, I, so, I'm smiling, it's, Tim. It's that mirror, it's that coach. I tell you, I'm smiling because it's funny that you think I just have one coach for golf. You know, <laughs> what I should do is I should get my coach for golf another... So he can monitor my symptoms during the round of the game. Um, Tim Daniels, what a pleasure to check in with you. And again, I was thinking about you and today when I was thinking about National DJ Day and how you would have been cruising down Main Street going, I know that guy. And one day you're going to be like, I know that guy. And and one day I could buy or sell him. Thanks, Timmy. Yeah, See you, Timmy. Take it guys, easy. Guys, always a pleasure. Listen, Here's man, up. and you stay yeah, safe. All the best to uh, Stanka and everyone in Florence. You're a good man. Humble Fred HG for 15% off the Phoenix at healthgage.com. We'll check in with Tim in another bit. Hey, you and I, oh, he's gone now. Yeah, man. Remember, yeah, remember that uh, before air conditioning in cars, the window down and then. Oh, yeah. The arm out the window. My dad always used to do that. And then you'd get the sunburn there on the one arm. And, See, I don't think you have, like, you know that classic uh, Main Street cruise, like, you remember the movie American Graffiti and how most of the kids basically up and down the main drag and, you know, living in Toronto, there's so many neighborhoods. Every neighborhood has its own Main Street. But did you ever have that experience? Well, Howie. From the 70s, growing up as a teenager, Toronto was a lot smaller than it was now. All these areas you talked about, like where the Sky Dome, when I was a kid, where the Sky Dome is now, in all that area, those were just rail yards and warehouses. Right. So, yes, we did. There was many a Friday and Saturday night we would get in the car and just drive up and down Young Street. There weren't, there weren't other areas. Wow. And then all of a sudden, you, you started hearing about this Yorkville place. Yeah, yeah. And that's when it sort of started. But no, that was, that was our Main Street. Well, because you've been to Moose, I don't know if you remember, but Main Street, mm-hmm. or as they called it, the Golden Mile. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, you know, maybe it's from, from just south of my dad's store yeah. to say to the top of Main Street might be 10 blocks. But I'll tell you, mm-hmm. you know, Friday and Saturday nights, you know, we'd pile... There'd be six of us guys in a in a car, five guys in a car, trying to cruise for babes. And it used to make yeah. me laugh because I'm like, who's getting in this car? There's no room for babes in this car. <laughs> like, they, we got in no babes. Put them in the trunk. <laughs> no, no, easy now. Easy, bun. Got, mm. Shit got dark there quick. But it's true. There was no babe room in, in, in the car. And I remember, like, mm-hmm. I don't know what we thought was going to happen. Did, Dan, did you have a main... Did you ever cruise up and down Main Street when you were a kid? A little bit, but our Main Street in Edmonton was uh, Jasper Avenue. Right. And it was really far away from where I lived, so we'd have to really, you know, work at it to get there. 
But I just always used to find that funny. I'd see guys like me and we'd just be like yelling stupid shit to women like, oh, this is great, you know? This is, this, you see like well, <laughs> hey, toots. stuff like, hey, toots? Yeah, hey, toots. Hey, hey uh, toots, how are you? 23 you skidoo. <laughs> Whatever. Are you good looking or just looking good? <laughs> kind of thing. Yeah. Oh, man. I, 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 years ago, I did this joke about it. I was basically describing this. I said, you know, I'd be five guys in the car. They'd see some woman. She's got groceries and a child. They're like, hey, you want to hang out? Like, what's she going to do? Punt the kids, drop the groceries. Yes, you're the five guys I want to party with. Anyway. We, um, to, we had a great line. We'd say, hey. Have you seen Enda? We'd see a girl say, hey, have you seen Enda? And they'd go, Enda? Enda who? Enda Manob. <laughs> did, that, did that ever work? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Ooh, I'm hungry for that. <laughs> Fuck. You know, I mean, the problem is when you were cruising for chicks back whenever, you'd have to get out of the car and crank it every so often. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> or feed the horse. Um, Toronto Mike is here. You know, oh, I know okay. you. What? what, what? <laughs> anyway. I got the wrong number, Brian Williams, the whole thing. I know, I know you went to a lot of trouble. Yeah. It's too bad that after all the trouble, and uh, people have no idea how much fucking babysitting Boone has done to get this guest well, on. I've already talked to Brian since he was on your show. You know, I, I know, but I was going to say, I feel bad well, for you that after all the work you did, yeah. so, it, it, you got the fucking number wrong. Well, can I unveil something? Real? You're looking at your, uh, you can see me on the Zoom, right? Yes, of course. <laughs> So I'm at the point of my life where I need to start wearing glasses when I'm reading numbers oh. on the computer. I, right. uh, Fred, yeah. I'm sorry. This is actually 100% because my sight is starting to fail in my yeah. elder years. We've all been there, buddy. <laughs> We've all been there. In fact, uh, how, how old are you now, Mike? Is, how, do, how do I look? I'm curious. You look great. I, I love it. I saw your, your picture there on uh, Twitter. How, uh, how old are you now? Uh, 47. Because I'll tell you, I was 43. And I, the reason I remember that is... Uh, I, that that fall of 2003, I was 43, and I started studying for my uh, in my in my aviation, my pilot's license. And I remember being at the kitchen table with the kids, and I was having trouble because it's all very small text. And I'm like, I I can't read anymore, and I started to need readers. So, Fred, I apologize to you because uh, my, I had a number, but, but I heard it. Like, I'm walking to school, and it's the coldest day of the year. It's freezing out yeah, there. It's I can ridiculous. Hear that you, you're getting some mic, and I know that's the wrong number. So I quickly, on my phone, I sent you the, the proper number. We, and then I didn't realize I phoned Howard during the show because uh, Brian never connected. I forget. There's some passcode that this guy needs. Oh, I forgot right. about the passcode. Yeah, and I yeah. phoned Brian, and we got it figured out. Mike, Mike, Mike. Yeah, you know you're in this business long enough, and you know shit happens, and it's like no need to apologize. It was just one of those days where something no, happened. To no, think that you know you can go through your long fifty year career <laughs> without having any bumps in the road is unrealistic. So he did don't say feel that. he had a great time, and Howard he did love seeing you at CBC. He loved that you were after him at CBC. <laughs> I know. I, I didn't want to correct him. It just seemed oh, you know why bother and. Well, I don't the, know. the problem was I things. was going to correct him, but I had muted my thing because right. I was coughing and I didn't unmute. And then I'm fumbling while that pauses there. And then he goes, hello. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, I, I, know, I, I was, I was pausing because I wasn't I thought you better answer this because I didn't know how we were going to answer it. But well, I had started answering saying, hey, Brian, that's a long time ago, 1988. But just so you know, you know, hum, Howard wasn't part of that. And I had started to get into that and then realized I wasn't on and blah, blah, blah. See, there's another mistake. So I apologize to you guys for being muted. 
I would just like to apologize randomly. Uh, Boone, did you want to give Fred shit so we can move on? Oh, oh I didn't know if you wanted me to do that after Dan or not. Oh, well, Dan's uh, already I... done the news. Dan's, is oh. coming, Dan's coming back here now to do some DJing. Okay, uh, okay, okay. Hang on so... a second. Hold on. Dan, what song did you pick so I can go get it? Uh, if you... Uh, by Chicago. That was one of the songs we played. I'm sorry, you were sort of st- you, you kind of zoomed out you there were. for a second. What was you? What was, oh, was the song? oh, okay. I'll, I'll take. No, just tell me the song again. I, it's uh, Chicago. If you leave me now, is one okay. of the songs we played back. I, I remember like that on the cart label. Okay, I got it. Love so uh, okay. I've got that, and you've probably uh, so when you're after Boone uh, uh, tells us why uh, he's uh, against the uh, spoiler policy. Uh, we're going to set up the next week. I'm going to tell you why the PGA Tour will change today. And at the end of the show, Dan Duran is going to do some DJing for us. Okay. Gentlemen, I just want to be very clear. Uh, I do not condone your spoiler policy on Humble and Fred. And it was kind of outrageous when you were talking so openly about Afterlife, because so many of us who love Afterlife uh, haven't you know, got to the new season yet. But here is the bone I have uh, of contention I have with Fred Patterson. I know that- what it is. That Ray Donovan spoiler was inexcusable. I apologize. Okay. Well, thanks, Mike. What's on the show next week? Now, here's the thing. I, I, I disagree. I talked to Boone about this yesterday. I agree with him, by the way, on the Ray Donovan, because at the time you said it yesterday, I was like, well, because mm. I didn't realize it was a brand new thing. And I, it's not like it's a six-year-old movie, and we should have seen it by now. Right. Uh-huh. It's a, and it's a pretty big piece of that ongoing story. But as far as Afterlife, I'll defend our spoiler alert, because it's not like we spoiled it. I, I, I Maybe we... I guess we did. I mean, we, you know, the fact that they don't, I I mean, I don't, here's what I'm using the word spoil. I don't think we spoiled watching that for somebody, but Ray Donovan, definitely. That's a pretty big plot point to let slip. The the Ray Donovan's inexcusable. The, uh, is the knowing that there's no big spoiler is a spoiler because like, if you're thinking through that show, for example, will character X, kill himself like and you're wondering oh my goodness is character x gonna kill himself finding out there is no way to spoil it is a spoiler i know it all depends on your level of giving a shit like that <laughs> that, 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 that seriously that doesn't yes. bother me the ray donovan thing the way i did that and yeah i probably shouldn't have done that it was just on the heels of that email we had read yeah. about the guy being upset with the spoiler so i just thought it being a little prick that i can be i thought that's yeah right. by the way he does uh, so you know hey, that, you that's what that was all about but you know what i profusely apologize yeah but mike this is from the guy that used to yell at women have you seen my ender or whatever he fucking yelled. Have you seen Enda? Whatever. And they would go, Enda who? You go, Enda. No, you're, in this case, have you seen the end of this movie? Let me tell you about it. Should we talk about Santa Claus and the Easter Bunny? No, now? but here's the thing. If you, I'll, Let me tell you right now. At the end of Usual Suspects, Kevin Spacey is Kaiser Sose. So fuck hey! it. So too fuck soon. It. No, yeah, 30 years is too soon. Um, okay, Booner, quickly. Uh, by the way, I want to give uh, Mike uh, a, a shout out or whatever you kids call it. Uh, one of uh, the most popular features on his program. There's a couple of notes here. Uh, tonight, uh, live, actually, if you're if you're downloading the show on the January 20th uh, day, um, you'll be able to hear the return of uh, a really good thing. Uh, it's um, Stu Stone, Cam... Cam Gordon Cam from Cam Twitter. I was going to say Cam Stone. <laughs> and, Cam uh, Woolley. <laughs> hey, I know Cam. And so Cam's, uh, Mike. Yeah, yeah. 
Tonight, tonight. So tonight, live at live.torontomike.com at 8 p.m. tonight, the 20th, is uh, the debut of Toast, which is Pandemic Fridays with a new name, and it's going to happen uh, monthly. Okay. So Stu Stone and Cam Gordon will be in this basement here. I have my uh, gift from uh, Stu Stone at TMLX8. So come out for Toast, but I want to just quickly say, because it's January 20, that it's my son's uh, 20th birthday today. Yeah. Oh, That's crazy. Wow. Man. So... Uh, I think yeah, and is why I was thinking Einstein will get there soon. But it's weird when they leave the teens. Like well, I was telling Rachel last night, we were talking about you, and you're very kind to uh, follow up with her. I appreciate it on another project. But I was talking about when we all met each other. So you know, that's I met you in 2006, and your son would have been. Uh, uh, let me see. You say, I should know this, Matt. Yeah. Twenty uh, four years old. Yeah, four years old, which is weird because the same age that. I was when I met Dan. Um, <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm going to yeah. pass the baton to Dan. Oh, but no, I no, just wait. And say, one more thing. Yeah. Freddie P is on uh, Hebsey on Sports. Oh, shit. Yeah. Oh, Freddie's on right. uh, uh, tomorrow. Tomorrow. Again, tomorrow. the 21st of January. That's live at around 9. Okay, it's exactly 9 o'clock. We st- so Fred comes on at 9.30. But at okay. 9 o'clock, we start Hebsey on Sports on Hebsey's uh, YouTube channel. It's also All this stuff is also a podcast, by the way. And, and, and a- uh, at 9.30, Fred's going to pop in. And uh, how mainly it'll be... I don't have much... Mainly it's Hebsey and Fred talking, but uh, I'll be there. And I just want to mention, too, if you're a uh, Swing Thoughts fan, and I'll get to this golf story in a second, but if you're... Uh, we're recording another episode... On the 21st, we usually uh, put it out somewhere in the afternoon or uh, the next day. And uh, uh, for sure, this weekend, we'll be talking about, you know, how the uh, the tour is about to change again because of uh, athletics. Dan Duran. Uh, oh, and I'm sorry, Mike, do you want to tell us quickly who's on the show next week? Just don't don't just give us names, no details. Okay, hold on. <laughs> Stand by. Get your glasses it'll, it'll, on. And I'll show up for Hebsey as long as you give me the right connection. Okay, thanks. <laughs> See, if Brian Williams would let me send him a Zoom link like every other guest we have, this would not have happened. Although Brian said to me when I called him, he said, uh, oh, so this is a call, uh, you know, because I, uh, I, I, I could set my computer up. No, he told me he's not doing that. So okay. he's, uh, yeah. All okay. right. That's so, what he said to me. <laughs> I believe it, but... Uh, nicest man in the world, by the way, uh, Brian Williams. But interesting. Oh, well, Howard is. <laughs> no, that's not true. Oh, by the <laughs> way, when, when I talked to uh, Howard's uh, GFR, Howard's partner there, uh, she called him Harold by oh, accident. That's like, right. Yeah. You guys were talking. She says, uh, yeah, yeah, something Harold. I'm like, Harold? Yeah, like just totally like Jesus. not trying to be funny, but just thought no, you were got my name wrong. Wow. I know. Although when Boone, close, Boone emailed me okay. later, he emailed it, "Hey Harold," which I thought was funny. Harold, a fu- Harold's a funny. Howard's a funny name, but Harold's a, I think, funnier name. Harold so, and Fred. W- once again, last week, Howard, the list of the most popular names in uh, Canada for 2021 came out. People are naming their kids. No Howard, no Fred. I again. <laughs> yeah, it'll be a long time before anyone goes. Howard's a great fucking choice. Okay, I'll I think there'll be some this, threads, so. though. Okay, uh, starting next week on uh, okay. Monday. Documentary filmmaker Andrew Gregg. And this will be interesting for you, Howard, because there's a huge aviation angle. But I know you don't want details. But I All right, like give me some details. Again. We got time now. I just have to pee. Okay. I have urgent fr- and oh, frequent you, urination. You can do this while you pee. Okay. And I know it's painful for you, so I feel for you. Okay. 
<laughs> uh, there's okay, so there's a puzzling story that's eluded him for years. He's made many films in Canada's north, but the story is what happened to the U.S. military Skymaster plane that disappeared over the Yukon more than seventy years ago. There's no trace of the aircraft. Or it's 44 passengers. They've never been found. What? Their families are still looking for an answer. So this guy, Andrew Gregg, this filmmaker, who's very interesting when you dig into him, he examines the fascinating aviation mystery and his uh, latest film, Skymaster Down. So he's going to tell us all about this uh, mystery about the U.S. military Skymaster plane that disappeared. Awesome. I know. I think it's right up your alley because you're a big I love that shit. Fan. I know. So, and, and here's this is I can't wait for this one. So, on Tuesday, you have a young lady uh, named Megan Edwards who had, uh, I think, a 15 year radio career. She was on the air in Vancouver. And then one day she just up and quit. And she's sharing her story of why she had to quit radio. And I can't wait to hear a couple of uh, radio veterans uh, talk to Megan Edwards about her, her many interesting reasons why she had to get out of the industry i I, you know i read this story and my flags are up a bit and we might ask her a couple of questions no challenger Challenger. yeah she might not like like you know maybe you didn't have enough talent but we'll see i think we should start with that huh (laughs) we should we should begin by maybe you're just not talented enough well, you know, listen, I think all of us over the years, you know, you meet certain people in the industry who think they're hard done by and should be doing this and should be doing that, but they just ain't good enough. But um, anyway, I, I read a little bit there. of I read a little bit of her story, didn't quite get it, mm-hmm. but we'll find out on uh, Tuesday's program. Wednesday, I'm looking yep, forward to know. talking to these guys. Okay, the guys from Dwayne Gretzky. That's Nick and Tyler cool. from Dwayne Gretzky. Yep. And I don't, I'm not actually ready to disclose uh, Thursday's guest, so uh, it's still there's still some balls in the air on who exactly it'll be. So. Oh, see if you can get Enda. Mm. Yeah. Let's go get cruising on the show. Main Street and yell at women. It'll be good. Think about that now. Who's doing that now? No. No one's yelling at women anymore. You okay. couldn't. They're still yelling, uh, I won't say it, but effer in the pussy. I believe it's yeah, still being know. yelled at newscasters who are live on So the, bizarre. The um, uh, Dan Duran, are you ready to uh, show us what life was like back in Edmonton? Uh, yeah, sure. Circa- what about the golf thing, though? Well, I'll get to the golf thing. Oh, you oh, want to okay. do the golf thing first? I'll do the golf things first. Okay. It's okay. Whatever. So in uh, 1997, Tiger Woods bursts on the scene, and he looks like no one very few golfers have ever looked like Tiger looked. And part of the thing was in professional golf, it was actually frowned upon to lift weights and try and get into sort of traditional athletic shape thing. The thinking was it wouldn't be good for golf swings. And then Tiger Woods changed that. And if you, you know, Fred and I, you know, go back a long way, you look at the sort of dumpy guys that used to be basically tour players, you know, Craig Stadler, Craig Stadler. And I mean, there's still a hero. There's still a few on the Champions Tour, but there aren't yeah. there aren't any. Well, this kid from Thailand looks doesn't look like an athlete, but for the most part, if you were in the same room as Dustin Johnson, Wayne Gretzky's son-in-law, he's like six three, weighs two ten. You know, he he he's more like a you know a, a defensive back or a power forward than a golfer traditionally. Like when we grew up, so there's a kid out of South Africa. His name is James. Hat Dupree's, and he is uh, making his PGA Tour debut. He's not a member of the tour. He's getting a sponsor's exemption. He's a professional golfer on something called the Sunshine Tour in South Africa. And I started hearing about him a couple days ago because in anticipation of the tour uh, event starting today. 
He's six, six foot ten, 260 pounds. I've never heard of a golfer at the professional level that's 6'10 and 260. That's like a, a power forward center in the NBA. But here's the part that is going to change the game. Not only physically is he like no other golfer, but his average drive, his average drive last year on the Sunshine Tour was 375 yards. Mm. How's his short game? Well, obviously not good enough to be a tour player, but I'll tell you, he's a 26-year-old kid who's been playing professionally around the world. I'm not saying he's going to be a superstar. I'm just going to tell you that if you think about what changes sports, you guys have talked about how much bigger NHL players are than when we were kids. They fill the ice in a way that you know they didn't in the 70s and 80s. But I'll tell you, this has been coming now since 1997 where, where athlete, people that would in other times be basketball, football, baseball players have now taken up the game of golf. And I got to tell you, like, it wasn't that long ago that somebody hitting at 300 yards was an insane thing. But now it's 375. So and are you saying the physics of... <clears throat> the physics of a tall person with long arms is better for hitting the ball? Well, of course. And just taller, bigger, stronger uh, guys that have become... Af- Pardon me? It's just the physics of well, yeah, it. So yeah. you take somebody that has has natural talent for that kind of hand-eye coordination and put it on a six foot ten, 260-pound frame. But I watched him uh, on on YouTube yesterday, looking at how he hits a golf ball. It's pretty, it's pretty impressive. And uh, yeah, you you know, you ask a great question: What's his short game like? Well, you can learn that, but you can't teach what he's got. Um, yeah, it's uh, that's uh, very very interesting. I just thought I'd pass. You that know, one. that's the type of thing that will draw the casual. You know, if the, if it's hyped enough, uh, will draw the casual uh, fan to to watch. Well, that's why they gave him a sponsor's exemption because mm-hmm. he's trying to get his. You know, there's a secondary tour in the states. He's trying to get his card on that tour to qualify to get onto the PGA tour. But just as you said, there's everyone is going to be talking. He, he may not even make the cut, but for today and tomorrow, everyone yeah. in the golf slash sports right. world will be talking about this guy and how far he hits a golf ball. And when did this growth spurt happen? And his parents had to go out and get him clubs that were <laughs> super long. Think about how long his clubs are. Booner, what did you want to say before we get to Dan Duran? Reminiscent of the great Happy Gilmore, who uh, you know <laughs> gained right. a lot of attention for his long drives. Yeah, exactly. You're right. uh, speaking of long, here's yes, Dan Duran. <laughs> I, I I just want to go back to sponsor exemption. Like yes. you can buy your way into the tour. No, no, no. He doesn't. Mm. The, the the so I don't know who the who has, let's say it's the uh, what last week it was the Infinity whatever. So the company that sponsors and puts up all the money. Yeah. You know, Horizon, Verizon, or whatever, they're allowed three or four spots for to for to to hand out to pros or people that they think they can't just hand it out to a guy like me, but someone that they think is worthy of a spot in the tournament. They're allowed to do that. Oh. So he didn't buy his way in. They own four spots in that in that event. If you could buy your way in, Howard would have mortgaged the house long. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I'd be living at your house. <laughs> All right, Dan Duran, it's 1975. Are you ready? Just tell yeah. me. Just hit, you, you, you cue me like I'm your op. Oh, okay. Oh, that's very good. Yeah. Yeah, right. 
Okay, well, uh, well, it's, it's late at night on a Saturday night, a beautiful Edmonton evening, and we're uh, enjoying... What about the music? I just hit it. Okay, I'm going to fucking oh, start okay. again. Okay, start. Do, do your whole oh, thing okay, again. Okay, I can't hear it I missed your cue. Yes, yeah. All right. So start again. Okay. It's 1016. The mosquitoes, they've gone away, and now here we are enjoying the evening on a beautiful Saturday night in Edmonton. This is Chicago, and if you leave me now... If you leave Beautiful. Take nice job, Dandarin. Thank you. Can't believe, Thank you. I can't we believe used to you play, got you, fired. You, you, Kingsbury and Lumby. We all used to play this game, and you guys were experts at it. Mm-hmm. I, I always lost. But you know, there was a of them. budding disc jockey game that all the all of us have wanted to hit that post. Yeah, that's what we used I to call it. I don't know if they do that anymore in, the, in in radio. Dude, I used to drive around in my car when I got a job at a new radio station. I would drive around in the weeks leading up to me getting that new gig. Pretend I'd say their call letters, and I would intro songs in my car. It was just ridiculous. We were saying earlier in the show they don't even back sell songs anymore. Yeah. Pretty much on any radio station, it's it's uh, they just don't for the new way. Well, I'll tell you what, everyone, enjoy uh, National Disc Jockey Day. Don't forget uh, Boone's Live uh, eight o'clock tonight, and um, we have uh, said Freddie's on with Hebsey. We've got new uh, swing thoughts. Mm-hmm. And uh, go to our website if you want to see some of the podcasts. We threw Boone's podcast up there just to make it look like we're legitimate, even though mm-hmm. we don't produce his podcast. He produces ours, but it looks good on our site. Thursday's mm-hmm. guest, by the way, that's tentative. I didn't want to make it official, but it's supposed to be maybe Ben from Billy Talent. Oh, nice. Oh, used to work at CFNY. Yes, he did. Yeah. Very cool. Uh, and the last word, as always, goes to Dan Daru. This episode of Humble and Fred was brought to you by Gig Sky, the Retirement Sherpa, the Chambers Plan, Health Gauge, Canicabana, GoDaddy, and our newest sponsor, Manscaped, making balls cleaner and more streamlined for that extra special new ball sheen. I'm Dan Duran, and balls, balls, shiny balls. Destination, a little up the road from the habitations of the towns we know. A place we saw the lights turn low.